and welcome to a newsflash episode of Unpacking the Case, the podcast by David Jones-Bold, the real estate law specialists. As always, I'm joined by our head of legal training, Richard Snape. Hello, Richard. Hello, Lizzie. It's been a long time. What have you been doing lately? <laughs> Very little. Uh, we've just recorded a couple back to back, so... Um... It's been just seconds since I last saw you, yeah. uh, but for everyone else's benefit, imagine it's a week later. Um, so we're recording another Newsflash podcast. Um, this one is in relation to a High Court judgment from the 23rd of January, which was a couple of weeks ago. Um, and the case is called Messinex Property Investment Limited and Lanark Square. Um, and it relates to consent to alterations and alterations covenants. So do you want to start with some background facts for us? Yeah, it's about a week and a half ago, and uh, I've had to train Lizzie how to say Lanark uh, and not Lanark. Um, but anyway, um, it's the background. I mean, it's um, it was originally a four-story block of flats in, um, in Docklands, London, the Isle of Dogs, and uh, Lanark Square uh, were the landlords, uh, sorry, the, and, and also the freeholders. Um, there was uh, a head lease uh, granted to somebody called uh, Melrose. It's got a Scottish feel to it, this. Uh, and uh, they um, that was from uh, July the 14th, 200-year uh, lease starting on July the... Uh, 200-year lease minus one day starting on the 14th of July, um, tw- uh, 1986. And... Uh, then there was a sublease, which eventually came under the control of uh, Messinex Properties, uh, of 200 years, less 10 days on created on the same day. I presume it's one of the, you know, the huge Docklands, London developments that were going on in the mid to late 1980s, and this is amongst them. Uh, as a four-story mixed-use uh, premises, the ground floor was uh, business premises, and the top three floors uh, were residential. And uh, they had sort of alteration covenants, normal alteration covenants, and specifically uh, not to, to carry out a bit additional building without consent of the landlords and the freeholder, Lanark, Lanark Square. And uh, the tenants, uh, the subtenants, wanted to um, uh, carry out building works. They wanted to add uh, three additional stories and convert the commercial uh, premises on the on the ground floor into residential as well, so it would be solely residential premises, and the landlord refused consent, which is basically what the case was about. They went to court for a declaration. Uh, did the tenants that uh, the landlords acting unreasonably? So, can you tell us a little bit of the background law around consent to alterations? Yeah, it's it's not the same as uh, consent to alienation. But uh, it is provision section nineteen, section nineteen, subsection two of the twenty seven Landlord and Tenant Act, which basically says that if you've got a, a covenant against alterations without consent, uh, if those alterations amount to an improvement, the landlord can't unreasonably withhold consent. Sometimes you'll see sort of not to unreasonably withhold consent. But that um, uh, if it's an improvement, it's implied anyway. Uh, unlike section 19, subsection 1, 
um, which basically is about alienation covenants. If it's not to assign sublet part with possession without consent, it's automatically subject to a reasonableness test. Um, but in favour of the tenant, well, as long ago as 1938, there was a case called Lambert and F.W. Woolworth. You won't remember Woolworth, Lizzie. Uh, that uh, basically said in deciding whether something's an improvement, you look at it from the point of view of the, the tenant and not the landlord. So it's not difficult for the tenants to show that this constitutes an improvement. Why would they be doing this if they didn't consider it an improvement? Uh, the landlord might be able to get compensation for loss and reversion, value of the reversion, but not when you've got 160 odd years left on your lease or diminishing value of neighboring properties, but that wasn't really discussed. So that's some of the background. Unfortunately, I am old enough to know about Woolworths. You're um, getting on, busy. Your cultural references are catching up with me. Yeah, well, that's it. You're getting on. <laughs> so um, so what did the court decide? Um, basically, um, they said there were two stages, if you like, or several stages, really. Um, but uh, the first one is that the landlord has to show the reasons uh existed at the time of the refusal of consent uh, but that was a sort of subjective test you know did the landlord genuinely themselves even if landlord, other landlords might not believe there were good reasons to refuse and I say from that would be at the time of the uh the refusal of consent there are analogies there are a lot of analogies with um alienation comments which have many many more cases on them than alterations or user for that matter uh you know when Places in the early 90s, Kennedy and Connie Investments and various others besides, which said the landlord has stuck with the reasons uh, they gave for refusing and consent. You know, when they refuse consent, can't add to the reasons later. We've done podcasts on several cases on that, Lizzie, if you remember. Um, but then there was a second stage, if you like, as to whether those reasons were reasonable uh, grounds for refusal of consent. And that would be determined, uh, if you like, at a later stage. And they basically said that, you know, the, the sort of over time, you know, then between, you know, the refusal of consent and um, the uh, any court hearings and proceedings, then the landlord's reasons might change, you know, cumulatively. It was a strange thing to grasp, but that might be the case. Uh, and it could sort of develop over a period of time. They also basically said it was a similar test in deciding what was reasonable in alterations to alienation. So another case we've mentioned, certainly in podcasts a while back now, uh, sequent nominees in Hortford or Houtford. I don't think I left the jury out on how you pronounce it. The Supreme Court case from late 2019. Do you remember that one? I remember the discussion about Hortford and Houtford. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave that to, to the people who are listening, uh, which was, I'd say, a Supreme Court case. It was on basically, it was not to uh, make a planning application without the landlord's consent, not to be unreasonably withheld. But the court, uh, Supreme Court said that the test would be similar for alterations, alienation, user covenants. And uh, they, um, they confirmed that uh, a case that's uh, called International Drilling Fluids and Louisville Investments, which is a Court of Appeal case in 1986, which gave guidance on what was reasonable in terms of alienation covenants, Lord Justice Balcom. 
uh, would be you know, valid in other areas like alteration covenants. And amongst other things, they said, you know, it's an objective test. The landlord's reasons might be subjective, but whether it's reasonable is objective. Would a reasonable landlord uh, consider this to be good grounds for refusal of consent? What grounds did the landlords give for the refusal of consent? Um, well, they they said, well, there were basically several reasons. Firstly, they said that the leaseholders hadn't given um, a um, structural engineer's sort of specifications and details as to what the building work would be like, and they couldn't guarantee how um, you know, sort of safe it might be in the legs. If you've got a seven-story building, they didn't deal with it. That, that's a topic in its own right at the moment because it's going to become a higher-risk residential building, or it will be now, under the dreaded Building Safety Act. I'm not sure how many landlords will want to add an extra three storeys on a four-storey block in the future. Uh, but uh, they that was one reason. And also, they wouldn't agree landlords' undertakings as to reasonable costs, uh, the landlords' reasonable costs being paid. But also, they said that um, there was a lack of clarity of the tenants' uh, plans. It's another reason for refusing consent. And finally, they said... Uh, that um well it involved trespass on landlord's land that they had retained the court decided that the first two reasons were reasonable lack of a undertaking as the reasonable costs and lack of descriptions and the likes of drafts by a, a structural engineer but the other two grounds were unreasonable sorry i'm losing my voice lizzie <laughs> but anyway, but then another assignment case, they quoted a Court of Appeal case from 2018. We've, we've mentioned this in podcast as well. Number um, one, West End and East Tower Apartments, which is all about Docklands, London, a mixed-use 33-storey building. Uh, West, but no, Number one, West India Key and East Tower uh apartments which was i say about a 33 story mixed use uh, development in canary wharf uh where the landlord refused consent on several grounds one is that uh, they wanted uh, for a license to to assign uh, for a residential property they wanted 1250 pounds plus that which uh, the court decided uh, would be unreasonable uh, but they also wanted £350 to have a surveyor's uh, report on the state of the premises before they gave consent, and also bank references, and that was held; those were held to be reasonable. And the Court of Appeal said that, unlike the first instance court in that case, all you need is one reasonable ground and you can refuse consent. It doesn't matter that other grounds are unreasonable. So they were able to uh, refuse consent on that grounds, but not the costs. Um, and uh, so the leaseholders didn't get their declaration and the landlord won. Thank you very much, Richard, and thank you to everybody for listening. We'll see you again in our next episode.